Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I'm going to share with you 22 questions you must ask property owners. Now, there are actually 13 key questions and then a further nine questions based on how they answer the first 13 questions. So 22 questions in total that most investors just would not ask. Now, the quality of your questions will determine the quality of the information you can get from the seller. And it's really important never to make assumptions. You really don't know what the seller wants until you ask them. And if you give them what they want, they're far more likely to give you what you want. So what you want to do, you want to get the seller talking. You want to get them to open up so you can discover the true motivation. And you want to make sure the questions you ask them are open questions, not closed questions. So a closed question is where they give you a simple yes or no answer. An open question is where you're getting them talking. The more they talk, the more likely you're going to get the information you need. You need to understand what's the problem they're trying to solve. And once you understand that, you've got a much better chance of finding a win-win solution for everyone involved. Now, if you think it's all about the seller just wanting to get the highest possible price, then you really need to go and listen to episode number six of the Property Magic podcast, which is all about how you can pay less for your investments by working with motivated sellers. Usually for motivated sellers, it's the speed and certainty of sale that is far more important than the amount of money they actually get. Let me give you a personal example of this. So I bought property all over the UK and one of the deals I did with a joint venture partner was where we bought a large commercial property from the local council in Redcart, which is in the northeast of England. Now this was a 10,000 square foot community centre. It would have cost about a million pounds to build this. They had it on the market. They needed to get it sold and get the the money into their account before the end of the financial year. So a week before the end of the year, my JV partner was able to negotiate a very good price. He got a price of £250,000 for a 10,000 square foot building. I mean, that is just an incredible price. But the problem was he had to come up with the money in a week. So because he was able to move very quickly, he was able to buy this for us significantly below market value. So don't think it's all about trying to get as much money as they can. For many sellers, that's true, but really you want to work with motivated sellers. So one more thing I want to share with you before I give you these questions, and that is I recommend that you do not use a script and you do not use a long list of questions you go through. It's really important that this doesn't feel like an interview. You don't want to feel like you're interrogating them. You don't want to feel like you are interrogating them because they might clam up and not want to answer your questions. Instead, you want to make it more like a free-flowing conversation. Now, by all means, write these questions down that I'm going to give you in the podcast, but please do not just go through each question. The key is to really ask a question and then listen to the answer. 
The next question you ask should be in response to what they've just told you, which kind of makes common sense. But a big mistake I see investors is they have a list of questions they want to ask and they ask a question and they're so busy working out what the next question is, they're not actually listening to the answer that the seller's giving them. And they might miss a whole load of valuable information. And if you ask great questions, you'll get them to open up and it's amazing what they tell you. Now, normally when you speak to a seller, the first time is going to be probably on the phone. Maybe you've done some direct marketing, some landlord letters, some leaflets, newspapers, or an inquiry coming from your website, whatever it might be, and you speak to them on the phone to get some initial information about the property and work out if it's a good potential deal or not. And if it sounds like a deal, what you want to do is get round to the property as soon as you possibly can, and you can ask more questions on a face-to-face basis. And it's much easier face-to-face because you can look at them, you can pick up the body language. Having said that, I just want to share with you that it's perfectly possible for you to do deals over the phone when you've never even met the seller or see their property. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should buy a property blind. I'm not saying that at all. You need someone local to go and look at it for you, to take some pictures, to send a report back to you. But I've bought a number of properties over the years where I've never met the seller, I've never been to the property, I've just done it all over the phone. So I've spoken to them, someone else has gone and had a look, they've sent me a report, and I've then closed the deal on the phone. So it absolutely is possible to do that, so you can invest remotely, but these days I'd want to use Skype or Zoom so I can actually look at the person and see the whites of their eyes and it's much easier to negotiate doing it that way. Now, once you get to the property, you're gonna ask more questions and if you forget to ask something, don't worry about that, don't freak out. You got plenty of opportunities to go back to them and ask them anything you've missed. Now, of course, there are all the obvious questions you want to know about a property, such as how many bedrooms is it? How many bathrooms? What's the condition? But I'm gonna assume you could work out most of those questions for yourself. What I want to share with you is questions that most investors wouldn't ask, and these are ones you ask them after you've got all of the property information. Okay, so here we go. These are some of the questions, the 13 key questions, and then a further nine questions that come off the back of those first 13. So the first question is, who owns the property? Now, this is really important because whenever you're negotiating, you want to make sure you're actually speaking to the decision maker. Very often, I've had people contact me and they're calling on behalf of a friend or family member. And I don't know why the person is not calling themselves, but that's often the case. So check you're speaking to the decision maker. Next question is, when did you buy the property? Now, this is really useful for you because if they bought it 20 years ago, you can assume there's gonna be some good capital growth in there. If they bought it at the peak of the market in 2007, well, it might only just be worth what it was worth when they bought it. Or maybe it might be worth even less than when they first bought it. So establishing when they bought it and understanding what's happened to the market can give you a really good idea. If they just bought it last year, you might wanna wonder, well, why are they selling it this year? Why are they selling it so soon? Is there a problem with this property? Question number three, and this can lead on to lots more questions, is who lives in the property? Now, very often, someone you're speaking to, it's going to be the owner who lives there and say, well, I live there alone or with my partner or my kids, whatever it might be. And then if they live there, there are a couple of important follow-up questions. The first one is, okay, do you have somewhere to move to already when you sell this property? And that's important because maybe they've got 
somewhere that is their dream property and they need to sell this property quickly in order to be able to buy that one, which means they're gonna be motivated. Or maybe they haven't got somewhere to move to yet and what they wanna do is exchange contracts with someone like you and then have a bit of time, a bit of flexibility to find where they want to move to. So you need to understand their situation. Another question related to this is, are you looking to rent or buy your next property? Now, very often people might be selling a property because they just don't want the hassle of ownership. They don't want the liability of a mortgage and they're just going to rent their next property. Or maybe they need to sell this one to be able to buy their next property. And again, it's really useful for you to understand what's their future plan because the solution you come up with might affect that. Now, if they don't live in the property, there's a chance it might be empty. And that might be because maybe it's an inherited property. Um, maybe it's um, a, an, an ex-rental property and the, the tenants have all moved out. Or maybe the owners were there, they've moved out and they've now got this property that's costing them money every month, that's empty and could be broken into, could be vandalized. An empty property is a real problem that they're gonna want to solve. So if there's no one there, you want to understand how long it's been empty for. If there are other people living there, tenants, there are a few questions around that. So first of all, you want to understand how long have the tenants been living there? If they've been living a very long time, you might have a problem of what's called protected tenancies. And that means that sometimes someone's been living there such a long time, they have a protected tenancy, which means you can't put the rent up. And sometimes properties are sold at a very low value because you've got this protected tenancy. So you wanna make sure that's not the case. In fact, you wanna understand what kind of contracts are the tenants on? That's another question. And ideally you want them on six month AST contracts, a short, short-term tenancy. Now, if someone's been there two years, they might've had an AST initially, and it goes on to a monthly periodic rolling contract. So you just wanna understand a little status about the people who are living there. Uh, sometimes people don't have contracts, there's no contract at all, and that can be a problem. So you wanna find out the situation. The next question about the tenants, if there are tenants there, is how much rent do they pay? This is really important because the landlord might say, oh, you can get a thousand pounds rent for this. But if the current tenants are only paying 500, I'd want to know, well, why is that the case? And the other question is, are they up to date with the rent? So what are they paying and are they up to date? Because maybe the reason the person's selling this property, they've got bad tenants, they're not paying the rent, they're trying to get them out and they're trying to dump this property and get rid of it. So you need to understand what you're taking on. Question number four, and it's amazing how many people don't ask this question is, is the property freehold or leasehold? Now, if you're buying through an agent, they might have told you what the situation is, but they might've made a mistake. So I'd ask the owner this question, is it freehold or leasehold? Now, if it's freehold, that's really good. If it's leasehold, there are a couple more questions you need to ask. The first one I'd always want to ask if they say it's leasehold is, okay, how many years are left on the lease? The reason you want to know this is very often you find properties where they seem very cheap, but it's because they have a short lease. If you have a property that's got a mortgage, a lease, sorry, that's less than 70 years, it's very difficult to get a mortgage on that property, which means really only a cash buyer could buy it. And what that means is that, you know, unfortunately, if you don't want to buy cash, what you'd have to do is you want to exchange contracts, get the lease extended by the current owner, and then 
you could buy it once you've got the longer lease on there. So you might wanna ask them, do you know how much it would cost to extend a lease? And they may have no idea at all, or they might've found out from the freeholder, but they just don't have the money to get it done, which is why they're having to sell the property. The other thing you want to understand is what's the service charge and what's the ground rent? Now the ground rent is the payment, normally a couple of hundred pounds you pay to the freeholder each year. And the service charge is what's covered the cost of running and managing that building. So it might be the cost of the cleaning of the communal areas and the electricity to light the communal areas. Maybe there's a garden, it's a garden maintenance. Maybe there's a sinking fund for works that need doing on the property in the future. Maybe it's a really fantastic property and it's got a concierge swimming pool, that all costs to maintain it, so there'll be service charges. And you need to understand what the service charges are because you wanna factor them into your calculations when you're working out the cash flow and profitability of this investment. Question number five, and this might sound like an obvious one, but it's great to ask the owner because it helps uncover some of their circumstances, is why are you selling the property? Now, depending on the rapport you have, they might, they might give you the proper reason. They might say, well, I'm just selling it. That's none of your business. And if they're a little bit prickly, maybe there's a problem there. And if there's a problem, they don't like talking about these things. So you want to get them to open up. So another great question linked to number five is number six is, are there any timescales you're working to? Now, if they say, well, actually, I need to sell it in the next seven days, there's obviously a reason for that. Maybe they're getting repossessed and their eviction order is in seven days time. Maybe they're emigrating and their flight out of the country is in seven days time. So you wanna understand what's the background behind those timescales. And if they've got timescales, they're working to the clock, again, that's good because they're probably gonna be fairly motivated. They're gonna want to get a solution. Question number seven is, how much do you need for the property? How much do you need for the property? I didn't ask how much do you want, because that might be the hope value, is how much do you actually need? And they had some to focus on the lower amount that they would accept for the property transaction. Number eight, and again, sometimes people will tell you this, sometimes they won't, but I'd always wanna ask in a very casual way, is there a mortgage on the property? If there's no mortgage, that's fantastic. If there is a mortgage, I'd say, oh, do you mind saying how much it is? And again, they might tell you, they might tell you to bugger off because they don't want to tell you that information, but I want to try and find it if I possibly can. Now, a brilliant question to ask is number nine. And this is really good, again, to try and work out if they'll be open to some creative options. So I'd say to them, what's most important to you? Is it getting the property sold as fast as possible or making as much as you possibly can from the property sale. Now, the reason I want to establish that is I want to know if actually the speed and certainty is more important. And I'm suggesting, look, if I do it quickly, it's going to be for a lower price. But actually, if you want to maximize him out, maybe there's something else we can do. And I might then start thinking about purchase lease options, which are a great strategy to use. Link to that one is number 10. And I'd say to someone, so what are you gonna do with the proceeds from the sale? And again, you position this in a very kind of chatty, conversational, you're not trying to interrogate them. You're just curious, oh, what are you gonna do with the proceeds from the sale? Now they might say, oh, I'm gonna pay the mortgage off. They might say, oh, by the time I've cleared all the debt, there's not gonna be anything left over. They might say, I'm just gonna put the money in the bank. And again, that's really useful to know because anyone putting money in the bank right now 
is probably not going to get a very good return on their investment. So actually, they might be far more open to something like vendor finance, where they put the deposit in for you, or even purchase lease options. Number 11, and this question is one of my favorite negotiation questions. This is the question that has saved and also made me probably hundreds of thousands of pounds since I learned it about 10, 11 years ago. And I want to write this question down and treasure this question. This is worth just so much money to you if you use it. And again, you've got to have built a good rapport to be able to use this. But the question is, what's the lowest you will accept and still be happy? The reason I love that question is you'll get into the focus on what is the lowest they will take, but you add that last little bit and still be happy because you still want an ethical win-win solution for them. And I just absolutely love that question. Question number 12. Now, this is something you use. Let's say you're doing the viewing of a property and let's say this owner hasn't come direct to you. Maybe it's come through an estate agent and the agent may be doing the viewing with you or maybe they're not. Maybe the owner's showing you around. But ideally, when you do a viewing of a property, you want to look around either in the evening or at the weekends because there's then a good chance you actually get to meet the owner of the property. And you want to chat to them, be nice and friendly, ask questions, you're looking around the property. The more time you can spend in the property, the better. And then just as you're leaving, you're going out the door and you do what I call the Columbo moment. You might remember the detective in the uh, 70s TV series, Columbo. I never used to like that program. But at the end, he always used to say, oh, just one more thing. And he'd come up and he'd solve the mystery, solve the problem, basically. So as you're just about to go out the door, you stop and turn around and you look at the owner directly. Do not look at this stage. Just look directly at those. Oh, just one more thing. In case I have any more questions, can I have your mobile phone number? Now, I have never, ever had a seller refuse to give me the number. They say, oh, yeah, sure. My number's so-and-so. They give it to you. Now, the agent... And we like agents, they're our friends, they can bring us great deals. We're not trying to cut them out. And sometimes they don't want you speaking to sellers because they think you're gonna try and do a deal and cut them out. I never wanna do that. I want the agent to get their commission because I want the agent to bring me another great deal. And I might say to them, look, if I've got an offer, I'm gonna go away, think about it, and I'm gonna call the agent and give them an offer. So you're suggesting in front of the agent to the owner that you're gonna go through the agent. But you just ask this question, in case I've got any more questions, can I have your mobile phone number, please? And you say it with a smile, and they always give you the number. And then question number 13 of these key 13 questions. And you wanna ask this to every single seller you ever speak to. Because particularly if they're a landlord, if you ask this question, I promise you, you will end up doing more deals than if you don't ask this question. And the question is this, do you have any other properties? Because the property you're looking around right now, it may or may not be a deal. But if you say, do you have any other properties, they might have other ones in their portfolio that they haven't even thought about selling that might be really good for you and might give them the solution they need. So it's a really powerful question. So there are 13 questions that most investors don't ask, but if you ask, you'll get a lot more information and then a further nine questions, so 22 in total, based on what they say for the first 13. I really do hope those have been useful. Please, please don't just go through them in a list. 
Weave it into the conversation. Make as natural as you possibly can. Now, if you've got value from this and other episodes of the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could go to wherever you download the podcast from. So it might be iTunes, it might be Google Play, wherever you download from. And could you right now go and give it a five-star review and say what you like about the podcast? And that'll be really valuable because other people will see that review and hopefully they'll come and start listening and they'll benefit as well. So paying it forward, hopefully other people can get access to this valuable information. And remember, every Tuesday we come up with a brand new episode for you. So why not subscribe? Subscribe to make sure you get it every single Tuesday morning. Until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.